the podcast dedicated to creativity and sticking creativity in the ground and digging around in the ground with our fingers and looking for seeds and sprouts and anything that'll grow so that we can make trees and vines and take over the planet with creativity. Yes, we are audacious today. I have a little bit of energy. My name is Chad Hall, and with me as always is Lam Wen. Hello, everybody. Good timing, too. I feel pretty punchy today, too, so it, it's, it's nice that we're both on the same energy level. It's always good to be in sync. Did you like my uh, pronunciation there? I'm focusing on hard K's and T's. Yeah, it almost reminds me of uh, the, the Heath Ledger Joker from um, The Dark Knight where he has this, this the end of every syllable. He kind of spaces it out and airs it out a little bit. Um, and it was unintentional, I think, from what I remember hearing about uh, the way he crafted that character, but he always had that ah at the end of almost every hard syllable. It also reminds me of Cupid, that song Cupid. Cupid, draw back your bow. Every, every single letter is pronounced and enunciated. You're not going to hear a lot of that today. I talk sloppy. I'm just going to tell you guys now, if you're new to the show. <laughs> what song is that? I don't know that song at all. You don't know that song? That's Sam Cooke. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Never mind. You have to know that song. It sounded it sounded a little loungy when you sang it, so I wasn't... It, I, now I know what you're talking about. Never mind. There's probably some somebody in... A country that we've never heard of listening right now that knows that song. That's how far that song reaches. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. In case you guys are just tuning in for the first time or you are completely confused as to where we are in the order of episodes that we're doing, there's a reason for that. It's because we bounce around now. We're not going to be rigid anymore, but last episode was technically a, a tools and techniques episode. So this episode is going to be what we refer to as the inspiration episode. I'm actually going to change that a little bit. I want to kind of, I don't know how that's going to change the dynamic of the show, but I want to refer to this as the inspiration and ideas episode. I just mm. like the sound of that better. Yeah, it seems like all of our other episodes kind of have two syllable names. So it kind of makes sense. And we'll figure out how that works out in the long run. I, sure. I think maybe it'll bring a different dynamic into this. But usually what we do on the inspiration end of this is Lam and I bring in a quote of some sort that has been inspiring us or in the last month or so. Or maybe a quote that has just inspired us from some time in our life. Uh, depending on how that month is going. Sometimes you don't have those quotes <laughs> that yeah. sometimes they don't surface to the, you know, I've, I've noticed that I, I, I assume that there would always be one just waiting on the surface, but sometimes you have to, to dig like for today's episode, I had to go find one because I didn't really have one on the top of my head. Uh, it's funny. I have the opposite. I have the opposite problem. I've had mine since we did the last inspiration episode and I've just been waiting. for it. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a good balance in, in, in our dynamic, I think. Yeah, I hear you. Well, uh, actually, you know what? I wanted to talk to the audience about something real quick before we jump into the episode and think it sure. fits into the thematics of this episode. 
the way that when I, when I and I'm, I'm going to see what your feedback is on this lamb too. But when I think about everybody out there, I think about um, I know that there's a lot of creative people out there that are doing creative things, but I also know that a lot of our listeners are maybe creative but not actually making anything because they feel like they don't have time or uh, we've we've gone through this this list of um, reasons before time or uh, inspiration things like that and I also think that there's people out there that um, this is a phrase that I hear a lot I don't have a creative bone in my body and I think maybe that some of those people are listening to that show too and I think or this show and if you're listening to this show and you say you don't have a creative bone in your body yeah, I think that you're kind of fibbing because why would you listen to a show about creativity huh there's a question. Mm, so uh, so what I see is I see that regardless of which of those groups that you're in, you you have creativity of some sort or you have interest in creativity or you're fascinated by creativity. And you have everybody has the capability of creating things. And maybe you guys aren't living up to the full potential of that. Even those of you who are living fully creative lives, maybe you're not living up to the full potential of that. I know that I'm not. I try to, but I'm not doing it every day. Um, so what I, what I also see is that the foreseeable future of this situation is people not expressing themselves fully, people not living the life that they, that they really want, that they're not feeling that inspiration and they're not uh, contributing, feel like they're contributing something um, that makes them happy is that the situation of the world with uh, hate and xenophobia and all these things, those things grow from that lack of expression, that feeling that you are marginalized, right? Because that's that's what marginalized usually. People who feel marginalized feel like their voice isn't heard. Um, and the foreseeable future is that things will get worse. And to me, and I know that Lamb and I have talked about this personally and maybe even on, on this podcast before, but... To me, creativity is is the way to cure that. Is it's the way to, you know, in some small way, even if it's just um, like Lamb said in the last episode, even if you're just making popsicle stick sculptures for fun, you know, or something like that. That you know, uh, you're helping uh, your kids learn how to draw. That's expressing some sort of creativity, and that that expression it changes the dynamic between you and the world. And, and vice versa. And I've mentioned this before, but it makes you vulnerable. It makes you vulnerable in a powerful way, in in a way that uh, vulnerability we learn is strength. And it makes you open. And you can look at things with a different mindset. So we really believe, and it is in the description of what this podcast is, that creativity can change the world. Even small forms of creativity that maybe people who are practicing them think are insignificant. They're not because you make something and then somebody else sees that you're making something or that you're doodling or whatever. And they remember that they used to like to draw when they were in class and, you know, they're never going to show the stuff that they're making to anybody maybe, but they want to do it, you know, and, and all of that, it begins to change the way that the world functions. So part of that is not just us here, 
preaching to you guys, telling you things and, uh, and bringing you information. Part of that and the main part of what we want to do here is to inspire you guys to actually begin creating. And we haven't focused on that much. So far, we've only focused on the ideation of the whole thing. I want to change that. I want to give you guys a place to take action. And it's a very simple thing. It's not complicated. And there's no responsibility in, in the sense that you don't have to do it. But what I want to do is I want to, every month, I want to hopefully generate it from the audience, have an idea, an idea of a subject matter. Um, and then I would like to see people create art and send us pictures, whether it is a drawing, whether it is a photography project based on that, whether it is a popsicle stick sculpture, whether it is uh, a piece of pottery, you know, whatever you are, whatever creative area you're in, maybe, I mean, maybe you are a coder and you want to make a, some sort of program that in some way expresses that. Um, I don't know. That's, that's the beauty of creativity. I, I'm excited to see what you guys will give back to us. So, what we're going to do is we're going to do that every month. Right now, we're starting a little late in the month. So this first one will be, we'll call it a little rough run. It'll just be a, until the end of uh, this month. And in line, I, since you guys haven't had the warning, I'm going to pick the subject this month. And I, I was thinking uh, of our one of our subjects, I think our second subject of the show, David Lynch. And in some of David Lynch's movies, there are people that could be described as mutants. So, for this month, the subject matter is mutants, mutation, or anything along those lines. However you want to interpret that. You want to abstractly interpret that. You want to interpret that by drawing me Ninja Turtles. Or us <laughs> Ninja Turtles. Not, I don't know. That's up to you guys. But, create your art. Send it to us however you want to send it to us. If you want to send it to us via Instagram, make sure you tag us at Random Badassery. You want to send it to us via Twitter at Random Badassery. Both, only one word, no space between those two words. You want to email it to us. You can email it to us at info at Random Badassery. If you want to put it on our website at uh, randombadassery.fireside.fm, you can leave it as a comment on one of the episodes. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it allows you to add images. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I don't obviously leave comments on our on our <laughs> on our blog very often. Um, we also have the subreddit, which the link for the subreddit is always in the descriptions of these episodes. Um, technically, we still have a Facebook page. Lamb, do you get notifications if they send you something on Facebook? Yep, I do. Okay, so if you want to send it via uh, Facebook, I believe it is facebook.com forward slash random badassery. Is that correct? You can also leave it, uh, yeah, you can also leave it on our Instagram too, um, or tag us in something on Instagram, or send us a direct message on Instagram with the image itself. Um, there's literally a billion ways to send us stuff um, pretty easily and quickly, so um, any one of those those mediums will be will be easily accessible, and we check them all the time, so we'll be able to see it right away. And the challenge here is not just for you guys to create something, by the way. The, I'm, I'm looking at you guys to, to be leaders in, in this project because uh, I, I believe this is important. And what I mean by I'm looking for you guys to be leaders in this is I'm looking for you guys that are listening to make this successful, which means not just making these things but finding people to also contribute. Maybe people who don't listen to the show but are great artists that you know. Maybe people that you want 
or that you think need to start making art, enroll them into this. Bring them into this. As every one of you that listens, especially those of you we've spoke to before, that we've had comments before, I'm looking at you guys and, and asking you to grow this. Now, there is no prize. This is not a contest. This is a challenge. It is a challenge uh, like the other challenges we've done, a challenge to for us all to grow. And the purpose of this is just to start exercising that creative muscle. And it doesn't, uh, we're not going to make any money off of anything you guys are doing. We are not going to uh, benefit in any way from what you guys are doing other than the satisfaction of knowing that you guys are creating things. So this contest, making it successful, is for you. So the responsibility of that also lies on you. There's only so much we can do. We can come on here and remind you of it every time, which we will, and we can support you. But you guys need to enroll people and get this really, get this thing really rolling. Let's let's make this fun. Let's make this something that we look forward to. And everything you guys send us, we're going to put up on our Instagram so everybody can see what everybody else is doing. And we're not going to, there's going to be no criticism of what people put up. We're only here to support each other. So if anybody says something that is cruel under somebody else's artwork, Sorry, this isn't uh, this isn't a democracy. I'm going to delete it because I don't want anybody being a jerk, and that's that's just the way it's going to be. Or more likely, Lamb will delete it because he sees that stuff way faster than I do. So that's that's where I wanted to start today. So there's an idea and an inspiration. So let's kick this thing in the butt. And when you tag us, uh, I almost forgot. In some way, you know, you're going to title your image, whatever you want to title it, but just make sure for this one you include the word mutant or mutation so that next month uh, we would use a different word. And also for uh, anyone who's doing that on Instagram or Twitter, um, please make sure you hashtag either random badassery or tag us directly. Um, I check the hashtag once a day and I check our, our tags, all, you know, tag in images all the time. So please make sure you do that as well. Yeah, you don't want us to miss it because, you know, we're not following you guys. We don't – most of you guys, we don't even know who you are yet. Hopefully that's going to change with this. Uh, I just want you guys to start really exercising that muscle. And, and Lamb and I are also um, – I th- I, well, I can't say for Lamb. I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, take part in the challenge myself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, whether, whether it be photography, drawing, whatever, who knows, maybe a little ditty on the guitar. We'll see what happens. Let's have fun with this, and let's really let's start being a community, guys. You know, let's stop being invisible, stop being silent, because that silence is it's deafening. Uh, anything you want to say on that before we jump into the episode or the planned part of the episode? <laughs> um, that's a pretty hard detour from where um, I had something I had something similar-ish, um, because I, I what I really wanted to address to a certain extent was people who think that they're not creative. Um, you know, I, I, the, the, the statement that you, you made earlier really hits home for what I was going to talk about. Um, the whole, you know, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Well, um, at least for me, and I think we'll cover this later in the episode as we get to, um, we get to the, the meat of the episode. Um, it's not necessarily about being creative. It's about being brave. So I will, I'll leave that as the teaser and then we'll roll into it as we get there. All right. So you guys heard it here. This is the first time we've mentioned it. It's actually, I'll let you in on a little secret. That's the first time Lamb's heard it too, because I just <laughs> surprised him with that. <laughs> uh, 
Um, Lamb, since I've been babbling for, well, hopefully not babbling, hopefully I've been talking with a purpose, would you like to start with your quote um, or wherever you'd like to start? Wow, this is a tough one because it's a speech. Um, so I'm not sure if, I, if it makes any real sense for me to read the entire speech. Um, and, and it's one of those tough speeches where, where like... How long is the whole thing? Uh, I mean, it's, it's like four and a half, maybe five minutes. Um, oh, yeah, that's a very long one. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely not short. So I don't know what makes the most sense here. Um, well, let me let me just roll into let me just roll into what it means to me, and then we, I guess we'll go from there. Um, the final speech from the Great Dictator, which is a fantastic movie by Charlie Chaplin, it's one of the movies in which there is sound and speaking, um, and is one of the it, it's it's a parody of of and, and a satire of. Um, German World War II Germany and Hitler. Um, so it's it's the there's there's an amazing there's an amazing speech at the end of the movie that I like to listen to about once a year because uh, one of the the one thing I really respect about Charlie Chaplin um, is how simple and clear his messages are in in almost every respect. Like if you ever listen to any of the songs he's ever written, if you ever watch any of the movies um, that he's he's directed or, or been in, he's he's very straightforward um, in his in his delivery in his speech, and he's very very simple in his language when it comes to describing the things that he really wants to get across. Um, and that's kind of the the where this inspiration is going for me. So so what do you think? What do you think I should do here? That's tough. I mean, and if we were if we were Radio Lab, I'd probably just start playing samples and <laughs> right in here. I'm sorry, but I don't want to be a, an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. I urge you all, even if you think that Charlie Chaplin sounds like something you never want to watch, to go watch that movie. Um, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. This speech and this movie in particular plays a significantly important role in the novel that I'm writing. Um, the character is named after Charlie Chaplin. That's why I always refer to him as Charlie. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich. And can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful. Even if you don't watch this movie, go on to YouTube and find this. There is <clears throat> one really good production of this. I shouldn't say production, but uh, perhaps a remix of this speech that is done with the music from Inception behind it, and shows the current political, um, you know, like yeah. clips of what's going on, you know, natural disasters and riots and things like that from the modern world and puts it into the context of what he's saying here. But we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. It is, in my opinion, the most powerful thing that I've ever read in my life. Um, or heard, I should say. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's more, yeah, I was going to say it was, it's more powerful because even in reading it, like there's, there's, 
Um, it's it's a great speech still. Don't get me wrong, but there's there's something to be said about Charlie Chaplin's delivery of it that gives it its power um, and its punch. Then, in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world, a decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give youth a future and old age a security. It goes along with what I've been thinking a lot lately in my own life. Um, you know that the, the, I you know. I, let's not break down the whole speech because we could literally do an entire episode on just this speech. The one, the, the one part that really sticks out to me is... To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. And, and that's for all of my friends who, who, regardless of which side on the political line you, you stand on, um, whether you're frustrated with the current administration or you're, you're frustrated with the, the state of the country in general, um, always realize that sooner or later things change. And whether that's uh, because a, a political regime is, is, is out of office or because the movement of the people is so strong that the regime has to listen, uh, whatever administration is in office at the time, Remember that that within us lies the capability to to change things, um, and I, 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 in a small way, or in a big way, obviously, it means dictating the course of, of human history and the course of this country. But in in a smaller way, um, in in a way that affects all of our daily lives and how it relates back to this show, is I think one of the most brave things you can do um, as a human being throughout the course of your life is to be artistic. And the reason why is because artistic is, is unadulterated expression um, that puts who you are as a person out on full display um, it, without any filter and without any, any fear. And that's just one particular avenue by which you can express yourself in that way. But what's the core of creativity? What's the core of art? What's the core of, of, of these projects that we're talking about? Well, it's bravery. Um, and for those of you who feel like you're not creative, that doesn't mean that you can't be brave. That doesn't mean that you can't, you can't speak your mind and you can't say things and you can't express yourself. I'm not saying be, be, be tactless and mean or anything crazy like that. I mean, obviously, like painting or, or, or drawing or, or, or music, everything that you do when it comes to expressing yourself as a person also requires practice. It requires generosity and, and, and empathy and, and all of the things we talk about that make art fantastic. You know, it's not, the, it's not that those things make art fantastic. It's that they make us fantastic. They make us amazing. Um, they make people amazing. And I think that that's, that's very clearly shown in, in what I'm talking about when it comes to the, the, the speech at the end of The Great Dictator or pretty much anything Charlie Chaplin has ever done, by the way. Um, how we haven't done an episode on him um, is shocking to me, but I, part of me understands why, because I feel like if we're going to do Charlie Chaplin, we've got to do him justice, and that's a tough one. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world, millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. Back to my point, the last couple of weeks of my life, I've really been making a concerted effort to recognize the people in my life who can be more brave um, and who can be more giving, um, even the ones who aren't artistic, especially actually the ones that aren't artistic, and to give them the tools by which to 
step outside of the, 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 the zones that they live in. I mean, to give you a good example, and I'm sure every single person listening to this episode, artistic or not, has had this experience. You get mad about something, you don't say it to that particular person, then you harbor resentment for however long it is towards that person, and then over time um, you have a, a lingering bitterness towards that person, and at some point you, you almost completely forget what the original the original schism was, but you still harbor that resentment and hold on to that that, that that anger towards that person. Every single one of us has done that, and every single one of us has, has had that experience. Well, I'm here to challenge you guys, because um, this is what I'm challenging myself to do, so I might as well. We might as well just get all of our challenges to ourselves out on the, the audience <laughs> as well. Um, I, I challenge you to say what you... Well, to, to say whatever it is that bothers you with a particular person in the moment in which it bothers you, but say it with kindness and say it with objectivity. And you will find your life to be far easier to live. Your relationships will be much more honest. And the people who care about you in your life will be much more willing to give you um, honesty. Um, in, in, and it, it will... and. Bravery begets bravery. It's like activity begets activity. If you're brave, they learn to be more brave. And if we're all brave together, the things that we can do are limitless. Something that's really important to keep in mind when doing what Lamb says about kindness is when you are expressing something to someone, something that we fail to do often is to express to that person why what we're saying is important to us. And... Mm -hmm. The, the reason that that's important is because when can, somebody can understand where you're coming from, why you are feeling the way you are, why this is important to you, it gives them a context that they're lacking. When Sometimes when you just say something without giving context, the person has nothing to hold on to and nothing to work with. So give people those handles. You know what I mean? Give people something to hold on to things. And uh, using questions also is really powerful. Instead of <clears throat> stating the way things are, ask questions. You know, I'm, I'm feeling this, and, and this is, it's important for me to feel this way, uh, not to not feel this way, um, because it will lead to this inevitable outcome. You know, like, I will resent you, or whatever the situation may be. You say, but I don't think that's your intention. Is what, what is your intention with what you're saying? Because obviously I'm not getting that. And what you're doing is you're, opening a dialogue a lot of times when we talk to each other we talk at each other we, we put a, a wall against a wall try to present a door to people well the reason why the, the kindness and empathy is so important when expressing things like this is because and and I'll, I'll, you know what I'll give I'll give all of you out there who who think this is a because there's a lot of people I know that have that, that fear confrontation, that have difficulties with conflict. Um, you know, there, there are a couple of friends I have in particular that say that confrontation is probably the most difficult thing they deal with in their lives. So let me make it easy for you, or at least this, this is how I do it. I mean, for better or for worse, um, given the, the, you know, my, my job and what I've been doing for the last 15 years of my life, I, I have no problem with confrontation. Um, I, I, I've, been, I've trained myself for a very long period of time to deal with confrontation well, and it's not just confrontation in, in, in the moment in which I confront someone, but also when someone confronts me. Um, I'm good at seeing things from their perspective and 
then accepting whether I'm right or wrong or they're right or wrong in the moment um, or um, some combination of both. And it's usually some combination of both, by the way. Um, the three statements I hold on to are, are, pretty, are pretty telling of that. Number one is everybody's right to them. So this is where, you know, this, this is where Chad's thing comes into play. Like just understand what you're trying to accomplish and understand where they're coming from at the same time. And you'll have some, some interesting, some, some interesting thoughts that fall along with that. Um, the second thing is no one's trying to hurt you really. Um, don't get me wrong. Occasionally there is someone who's malicious out there, um, and who is purposefully trying to hurt you. But even in the moment when they're trying to hurt you, it's not necessarily because they're trying to hurt you, but it's because of some other pain that they have in their lives and they're just trying to take it out on you. Um, so approach those conversations without fear of being hurt um, and take it that way. Um, and the last thing is make sure, make sure, make sure that you don't descend into emotional chaos. You have to go into those conversations centered. You have to go into those conversations calm. Otherwise, at some point, you just forget what you're talking about. And all it is now is just winning the argument. And that's that's not what these things are about. I mean, when you're talking to someone, um, whether it's a confrontation or when it's a conflict of some kind, it's, it's not about winning. It's about understanding. Um, it's, about, it's about finding a bridge that gaps where you are and where they are. And, and, and that's what... The, the, the point of confrontation um, in the context that I'm talking about should be. And so make sure that you keep those things in mind and make sure that when you approach a conversation like that, that you understand that that person is not malicious, they're not trying to hurt you, and you should not be doing that to them either. And if you just just those simple things going into a conversation um, that, that that is... A, you know, a, a confrontational one will make it much, much easier for you to, to, to find a common ground with that person. And to go back to your, your quote, one of the other parts of that speech that um, seems applicable here. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate. That, that last part, the only the unloved hate is, is something that has always stuck with me. Is a, a, It's... And what it is is it's that idea that we talk about of being self-contained, um, not in the positive way, but um, blocking out the world. You know, the unloved are they're isolated from the world, so all they can do is project things outwards, but they can't accept anything inwards. So, doing doing what Lamb is talking about here is learning to accept things coming inwards. The flow of energy in and out, the flow of information in and out, the flow of emotion in and out of the sphere of who you are. You know, step outside of yourself. When we when we when we're children and we pick up a toy or a game, you know, we look at it and we're fascinated by it. How does this thing work? What does this do? You know, and we always, as children, find ways to use things that aren't the way that they're supposed to be used. Whether it is a tin can, which I don't know that children play with at all anymore. It makes me sound about 80 years older than I actually am. Um, whether it is the packaging, you know, like there's the joke that um, babies always want to play with the packaging more than they want to play with the gift that they're given. Or whether it is something as you get older, you know, um, people who are fascinated by cars, they want to pop that hood open and look at all the, all the pieces of the engine. Now imagine for a moment that creativity, if you apply that to every human being. So that when somebody is saying something 
um, that is bothering you rather than um, digesting that internally and, and spinning it off into the sphere inside of yourself. If you were to take that and to actually try to understand how it works and understand and be truly curious about what is going on there and, and how it functions, you, you might see something very different than what is there because you might actually step outside of your own fictionalized version of what's going on and be able to actually see what's going on for that person. And, and that, that, that is a dynamic shift in how to deal with other human beings. And if you want to be a writer, uh, if you aren't able to do this, you're going to have a very difficult time creating characters. Uh, one of the things, one of the biggest mistakes that, that a, a lot of writers do when they begin is they create one character and that one character is basically just a representation of themselves. And then every other character in the story yeah. is boring and flat and is subject to that character. And it makes for awful, awful fiction because there's no conflict there's no exchange. There's no difference of opinion. There's no life in it. So if you can't look at other people and, and wonder what's going on in their head, you're going to have trouble creating characters that are like them, aren't you? So just to take that into one creative aspect. But uh, what Lamb's talking about here on uh, on the whole is more for your life than just your creative pursuits because yeah. the two are <clears> – <throat> You can't separate the two. Your life and your creativity are tied forever, and they always will be. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's basically a mindset, and I understand why most human beings get into this mindset. It's because, you know, life is difficult. Life is challenging. Um, You know, I will say for me, for example, I struggle with this as well, which is, as things become harder, your focus becomes more narrow. You start to look at the world in very small pieces or in very small places. Like you, you stop seeing the city, you start seeing a neighborhood. You stop seeing the neighborhood, you start seeing the street. You stop seeing the street, you just see your house. You know what I mean? So as things become more progressively difficult, the world becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's probably the worst thing that can happen to, to a person. I mean, think about the course of your life and think about you know, whenever you've encountered difficult patches in your life the world becomes progressively smaller. Um, and so that's the one thing that I, 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 I try to remind myself of, and it's been working a lot lately, which is the world is a very big and wonderful place. And just because my small pocket of it is difficult doesn't mean that just outside of that pocket isn't an amazing world. And this is not just a, a spatial thing. This is also in the context of time as well. You know, if, if you try to keep in, 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 in perspective the the amount of your, the, the moments in your life that have been wonderful, the friends that you have that are great, the artistic things that you've created that have been amazing, or the, the, the business stuff that you've done that has been very successful, whichever, whichever thing it is that you hold as, as the, the crowning achievements in your life or the wonderful things in your life that define who you are to yourself, the key to that is, is partially what, what Chad is talking about when it comes to having that childish mind, you know, seeing the world in a way that you don't expect to see it. Um, in, in this particular case, it's about making sure that your view doesn't narrow too much. And don't get me wrong, I understand, you know, when, when life gets difficult, you definitely want to, you, you want to focus on things. You want to focus on, on the challenges you have ahead of you, but don't let those challenges blind you to 
the, the, the amazing things that, that happen around you on almost a constant basis, you know, the, the amazing friendships you have or the amazing things you have at your disposal to, to create or succeed with, you know, the, those things have, those things do not go away. They just, you just stop seeing them. And so that's, that's something that I highly suggest for people as well. Every so often, and, and, you know, this, this goes back to one of the, the, the questions in, in our, our, in, in the previous episode, which is, um, <clears throat> you know, do, do in this particular case, it would be like a weekly inventory or, or part of a monthly inventory, whatever it is. We, some people will probably want to do this daily, but just take a step back. And I don't know what that means for most people. For, for me, for example, me taking a step back is realizing how broad of a group of friends that I have and how amazing a lot of them are. Um, and also remembering that I've been to a lot of places in the world that have been very, very amazing. And I, I want to remind myself that I need to find a way to fight my way back to those places so I can see them again. You know, I want to, I want to see waterfalls in Hawaii. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to eat gelato in Venice. I want to, you know, I, I want to have sushi in Tokyo. I want to do these things again and I want them to be a part of my life. The world is such a big and amazing place and, and, if I choose to see it in its smallness, then I've chosen to be small myself. And I, I can't have that. I, I can't accept that that's who I am as a person. So time to live big and time to, time to open up my mind and my heart to the, the possibilities of a life lived and a life yet, yet lived um, for myself. Um, so yeah, I, I encourage you all to do something similar or, 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 or at the very least conceive of ways in order to make it so that you see the world in a much larger way than you do now. And that goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, the idea of, uh, not expressing yourself creatively. You're, you're, you're for the, if you're the group that is, um, either believes that you don't have creative bone or that you, you don't have time or that you don't have inspiration, you're living small because you're, you're limiting yourself. You're putting yourself into a box um, or a prison, if you prefer. And you need to just learn how to step outside of that. And it's no one ever says anything in life that is valuable is easy. But sometimes it just takes stepping out once and just stepping out for a second or a few seconds and then you can jump back in if you feel vulnerable and, and you don't feel safe. But then make sure that you do it again. And you do it again until you become more and more comfortable bridging the gap between that two. And then in time, that, that gap is gone because it becomes a bridge. you know. And then, and then they become the same thing. That you begin to feel safe in your vulnerability. Sure. And that is a very powerful, powerful thing. That's a state in some way that we're all looking for is to be powerful and safe in our vulnerability, in, in our not being safe. And, and as, as Lamb said earlier, the word for that is bravery. Yeah, I mean, if, if, I, if I can impart any knowledge on, on anyone, I mean, sure, we have our moments, of, you know, even between you and I where we're not as brave as we want to be. But if there's anything I can give to people, it's, it, it would be the ability to speak without fear. <laughs> And to create without fear. I mean, speaking yeah, is absolutely. a... Well, it's a it, yeah, to me, it's the same thing. It, the point is to express without fear, I guess, is the, the smarter way to say that. Yeah, because speaking is a form of creation, right? You're, sure. you're, you're creating a dialogue. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, one little small tangent. Yesterday, I finished 
the first section of my novel, which is, uh, sorry, I finished the first section of the rough draft of my novel. Um, quite proud of that. But the reason I'm really proud of it more than um, the amount of time that it took me to get there is because yesterday when I sat down, I had four scenes to write. Typically on an average day, I write one, maybe one and a half scenes. But I told myself yesterday, I'm going to do all four of these. I'm going to finish this today. And two of the scenes that I had to do were two of the most difficult, not only emotionally, but also uh, technically challenging scenes that are in, as far as I understand the book, the mo in, in the entirety of the book. So two of the most difficult scenes in the entirety of the book had to be written yesterday. And I sat there and I remember looking at the screen and, and just kind of like scared, afraid to take that step, mm. you know, it's, and that's, that's, a, that's a thing that, that is common among creative people is that we call it writer's block or we call it creative block. And what that is, is it's fear and it's fear of if I step into this, I'm going to realize how difficult it really is. I'm going to realize the limitations of this thing. I'm going to realize my own limitations. What if I can't write it as well as I can see it in my head? All of these fears and those, I don't think they ever go away. Um, if you go read uh, John Steinbeck's Working Days, which is the journal that he kept while he was writing The Grapes of Wrath, you will see a lot of that in him. And at that time, he was already considered one of the greatest writers of, of his time. So what I had to do is I had to tell myself, it's okay. I just had to be okay with this. I just Let's just see if I can get to the end of this. Even if I write the worst scene possible, let's just see if I can get to the end of it. And I did that once. And then I had to do it again. And I can tell you that going down to sit and write the second difficult scene was not any easier than the first. <laughs> the, in fact, it was more difficult because there was a voice in my head saying, it's okay, you don't have to do this one. You did the other one. And that's enough. Mm. And that's an excuse we give ourselves, too. We give ourselves passes. We go, well, you did that. And, you know, uh, with productivity, people, there's a big problem with productivity where people will have big things on their task list. And instead of doing those things, they'll find the small things. They'll do like three or four of the small mm -hmm. things and they'll tell, tell themselves, it's okay, I didn't do that big thing because I did something. At least I did something. You know, I, I reorganized my sock drawer. I might not have taken my kids to soccer, but I reorganized <laughs> my sock drawer. <laughs> and in like in your head, you should be laughing the way Lamb's laughing because those are not – you can't equate those two things in importance. And we do that sure. to ourselves creatively all of the time. So that bravery um, to have a commu – to communicate with people and to create, they're, they're identical. And mm -hmm. when, you, when you're thinking of doing what Lamb's saying, speaking in the moment, you have those same fears. What if I can't express what I want to say in the way that this person's going to understand it? What if this becomes a fight? What if uh, I end up wrong? You know, all the possible fears you go into that, and you just have to do one thing, and that's just take the first step. Uh, it, the reason for that is the first step is a commitment. 
once you're committed to it, sure. then you just have to deal with what comes and you have to, and that requires bravery and there's no way, no way around it. That first step always requires bravery. Yeah. And I, I feel like the, the, you know, it's great that you bring up the example of, of the little excuses that we give ourselves along the way in order to justify things. It's, it's such a powerful voice that we build over time. And I think as we get older and older that we're just, it becomes it becomes a habit to allow ourselves a free pass whenever we thought whenever we think we've done enough. Um, but I think in in the most successful points in my life, the the that voice doesn't exist. You know, there's there's never enough. You you do it because it's there to do. I mean, the only thing that should physically stop you is 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 your physical is your physical ability to do it. You know, are you are you exhausted? Are you are you are you taking your not you know taking risks with your health in order to achieve it i mean are you are you doing things that that are not emotionally or mentally safe um but beyond that if it's just because you feel like you've done enough or be, be because you've 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 achieved enough that day there's you know you think of a person like elon musk or charlie chaplin or meryl streep or tom york or any of those people that we we tout in the artistic pantheon or 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 just the pantheon of successful human beings. Do you think those guys ever had days where they had excuses at all? Um, I just just get rid of the excuses. I mean, it's and I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm guilty of it as much as the next person. But but I feel like some of the the greatest things I've ever been able to achieve. Some of the 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 useful things about my nature as a person. And anyone who knows me um, well enough knows that I am obsessive to the point to a fault um, when I get into things I get into things um, and in those circumstances I there is no excuse like when I was learning how to play ice hockey for example um, it wouldn't be uncommon for me to spend four or five days a week at a hockey rink um, it went so far as to like at, at one point I had made good friends at a rink an old rink in San Jose called hockey workout and I would literally drop buckets of pucks and skate for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, sometimes even up to 12 hours in a row on successive days just to get better. Um, and, and there was never an excuse. The, the, the idea didn't even pop into my mind that, you know, I've done enough today. I've practiced enough today. It, it was never even a thought. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I'm good at that throughout the rest of my life. I'm just saying that my, the things that I've been most successful at are the ones in which I, I don't give myself excuses and I attack them with a ferocity and a dedication that is that is almost questionable in its nature. So um, that's that's a good lesson for all of you out there. I mean, get obsessed. Just get obsessed. Pick something, whatever it is that, 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 that you care about in your life, you know, to turn turn something turn something that's a hobby into, into a part of who you are, you know, don't just say, ah, I'm just going to do this for an hour or two every week, or I just want to do this on the weekends because I need something to occupy myself or whatever it is. Just pick something that you like, or pick something that you've always cared about somewhere in the back of your mind and attack it, obsess over it, think about it constantly and, and see how amazing of an effect that has on you as a person. And when it comes to living big or living brave, Remember, the person that defines whether you are doing those things is you. You're the one that knows whether you're fulfilling that or not because everybody's definition of what those things are going to be different. And you really know whether you are obsessed with something or whether you're dabbling with it. 
You know whether you are passionate about something or whether you're avoiding it. You know whether you're living up to your potential or whether you're living under it. These are things that you define yourself. You are not subject to other people's opinions on these things. These are for you to define for yourself. And that is a sense of security that you can have in this. But remember that in the end, because of that, those excuses don't really hold any water when you're dealing with yourself because you know that they're excuses because you are the judge yeah. and the excuser. So if you're honest with yourself, that is, there are a lot of people who aren't, <laughs> but that's the, that's part of the thing is learning to understand that even if you're not being honest with, honest with yourself, you know that. Sure. Nobody, 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 but the mentally ill can completely delude themselves now we can play that game and we can run that story and we can keep playing in that scenario, but we know because it manifests itself in unhappiness. It manifests itself in anxiety. It manifests itself in us being uh, a bad person to other people. It manifests itself in all areas of our life when we are not doing that. Um, like I said at the beginning, you know, not, not expressing yourself fully whether it is not living to your fullest potential or not saying and feeling and living the things that are inside of you will manifest into ugliness and it will spread throughout the world. But first it will happen in your life. And the first place that happens is in your day, in the minute. Sure. And you have to learn not to give yourself those excuses. And to really listen to yourself. You know, when, when you do things on your list, whether it's creative things or it's just things for your children or for your job or whatever list of things you have to do for the day. If you have 12 things to do and you do four of them, but literally those four took you the entirety of the day, then there is no excuse there. You've, you've, you've filled your day. You worked to your potential and you know that you are doing the best you possibly can. But if you do those four things in the first hour and then you just spend the other 23 hours of the day ignoring the other eight things on the list, you know that. Yeah, sure. You know it. And the power of, of living bravely and living and living big is that when you get to the end of every day, satisfaction is what you're going to feel. Because Yeah, it feels great, doesn't it? It feels great to be tired from doing too much. <laughs> yeah, it's like it must be what like a, what a, a caterpillar must feel like when it finally becomes a butterfly. Like, oh, this is who I am. That must be what it feels like sure. if, they, if they have an emotional state, that is. But... Yeah. You when you when you actually start to do these things, you start to express yourself, all of that other stuff goes away because all of that stuff was coming from that lack that you were feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's why uh, why we always bug you guys about this stuff. Why we always say you you can find time, you can make time. Because once you let go of that belief that something is impossible, that there's no way I can do that. And all you focus on is that possibility and, and your abilities. It changes your feelings about yourself and about everyone around you. 
changes the world. Oh, it changes yeah, it changes your perception of reality. <laughs> you know, the, the all of, it it makes so many things more possible. It makes it makes you feel like like there's nothing in your life that you can't really achieve. You know, like I, I remember at the time when I was doing the hockey stuff. You know, I I I also owned a coffee shop at that time, and the things that I I would attempt with the coffee shop had such a boldness to them that I don't think I would have had if I hadn't had that mentality going into, you know, um, something like something as specific as hockey. Um, but beyond that too, I was also much more creative and the creative stuff that I did was far braver (laughs) at that point in my life than, than it's ever been. Actually, it was some of my best writing was written during that time. Some of the, some of the the best music I, I produced was at the time. Um, and it seems to all, fit that that mold of momentum you know like when you're obsessed about one thing and you're passionate about one thing it just teaches you how to be obsessed and passionate about other things too so this is why i'm saying you know whether it comes to conflict or or obsession or any of these things when it comes to 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 living big and living the life that you want or being the person that you really want to be um the more you do it the better you get at it and the the better you get at it the more you want to do it so it's it's got this cascading effect, you know, this 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 catalytic effect where you, once you start that ball rolling, if you push the ball far enough and hard enough, it kind of just takes on a life of its own. And I guess that you know, if if I were to to encourage people to do anything, you know, so the one takeaway from this episode, whether we're talking about Charlie Chaplin or not, is that you have to build momentum. And we've talked about momentum on the the, the podcast before, but. This is a very tangible way to do it. You know, it's not just about artistic endeavors. It's about personal relationships and communication as well. You know, like you've got to build that momentum. You'd be surprised at how amazing some of your friendships or relationships can be if you if you are brave with them, if you're brave inside of them, if you're brave with the other person and, and you together can be brave looking into the future and not just fighting in the moment. You know, it's, it's an amazing power that you hold within you if you make certain choices. It's, it's just a set of tools that, that you just don't use enough. So practice them, do them, and get better at them, and it'll make you want to do them more. I am continually amazed how Lamb and I come into these episodes, particularly these um, ideas and inspiration episodes, or inspiration idea episodes with a complete lack of knowledge of what the other person is bringing in. (laughs) So we have no idea how these two are going to graft onto each other. And um, for the majority of this episode, I've been looking at my quote and wondering, this is going to be a shift. And now we've reached a point where they completely converge. (laughs) And it happens every time. And then that's synergy. I think. I think in in a way, it's it's. Our, when when I, I I believe that when you and I come into these episodes, we're very open, um, not only yeah. to each other but to what can possibly happen in mm-hmm. in these episodes. And I think that openness is what makes this happen every time. Uh, we're talking about the idea of transforming. You know, the idea of taking something and and, and making it into something new. So I'm going to give you guys uh, a, my quote here. And this is from Walt Whitman. It's from the poem called, uh, depending on which version of Leaves of Grass you pick up, um, in this one that I have, it's called Song of Myself. And this is from a little background on Leaves of Grass. Walt Whitman, his whole life, continually rewrote the thing, changing the poems, adding poems, removing poems, changing lines, changing words. Uh, He released, I think, like 40 different editions of the book. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. depending on which one you pick up, it may have completely different words. It may not even have half of what I'm about to read to you here. So the specific version that I'm reading from is, I think I've mentioned once before on this podcast, is called The Essential Whitman, and it's poems selected by a man named Galway Kinnell. And Galway Kinnell took all of the editions of Leaves of Grass and picked the parts that he thought were the best and grafted his own new version of what he thought were the strongest parts. So if you want to read exactly what I sent here, you're going to need that edition. And this is from Part 21 of Song of Myself. I am the poet of the body. I am the poet of the soul. The pleasures of heaven are with me, and the pains of hell are with me. The first, I graft and increase upon myself. The latter, I translate into a new tongue. And I think that <sighs> that's exactly what we're talking about with this, you know, the, especially the, the, the first thing, which he's, he's referring to the pleasures of heaven that are with him, the, the good things, the, the gratitude, all of these things that we talk about on here. He grafts those onto himself and he increases them. So, that, I mean, there's a lot in there. First of all, he's grafting it onto himself. So he's, he's acknowledging that these things exist outside of himself. So he's bringing them onto his own body. He's bringing them onto his own soul. He's the poet of the soul and the poet of the body. He's bringing it into both. And then he's increasing it. I, I, I think I've mentioned before that happiness is you have to think of them kind of actually I said in the introduction when I was goofing around happiness is like seeds and you have to water them and then happiness grows so you you, when you acknowledge gratitude in your life you see a small thing and you acknowledge it it grows so that the next day you have a little bit more to be grateful for a little more to be grateful for so you take the good things and you you graft those onto yourself you take them into yourself onto yourself and you increase them. And then the pains of hell, you, you translate those into a new tongue. So you take the pain and you make it something new. And that right there is probably the purest definition of creativity they've ever seen. You take the pain and you transform it. Yeah, that's you, pretty amazing. I like that line a lot. It's, I think that section is probably one of the more known sections from that poem. But with... Sure with reason for sure so what what we can do whether we are poets of the body and poets of the soul we can live our life that way we can live our creative life we can live our personal life that way we can graft things onto ourselves and we can increase them and we can translate the pain into a new tongue we can write something new we can paint something new we can have a conversation with somebody new create a new relationship this is i mean to me this whole thing is it's about possibility sure what are the possibilities in our life and how are we approaching them because i think a lot of us just piss on them to be honest oh of course sure sure we well, don't water and, them. and I think a lot of it is, and a lot of it is, is, is a mentality that we're, uh, I mean, we talk about being young all the time. We talk about being children all the time, but I think it's, it's, it, it stands to, it's important enough that we should probably just say it every episode, <laughs> which is you, 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 you can't let age 
kill your wonder for the world. You know, you can't let let time take away your your cloud your 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 happiness. You can't you can't let it you can't let it do that to you. You know, if anything, the, 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 the most amazing people you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody has a person like this in their family, but they've got an aunt or an uncle or a person that they know who is, who is older, but vibrant and, and, and excited and happy and wise and, and, and armed to the teeth with tools to create and, and, and build relationships that you wish you had. I, every single person knows someone like that. And I think that if I'm going to be anything, I, I want to be some version of that as I, I, I grow up. I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to be jaded. I want, I want to be exuberant and, and excited and, and full of wonder for the world. And I don't think that, that, I, don't think that I, I express that enough to the people I care about. I mean, I, I feel it in myself, and I, I try as much as I can to be as present with it as possible. But, you know, like that, that's... Uh, like you said in the, the, you know, in the analysis of the poem, that's you got to put that in your soul. You have to anchor that to some part of you that never leaves. You know, you have to anchor that to the core of yourself in such a way that whether or not it's a part of you is no longer a question. And I know that sounds that, that sounds lofty and almost ambiguous in a way, but it's not. You know, it's it's that bravery and that sense of wonder is, is not. Um, I mean, it's it's synonymous with happiness when we're talking about what we're we're describing here. But I mean, it's it's you have to find a way to anchor that to your soul, and if you don't, then you're 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 going to live you're going to live without the benefit of wonder. And I know that that sounds odd, but you know, if your world isn't amazing to you, then then it's depressing to you because if if it's not one thing, it's got to be the other because we're human beings and we're we're emotional creatures. So in some kind of way, whether it's something that we're conscious of or something that lingers in our subconscious, we view the world or people in a certain way. And instead of letting the world dictate what that is, we should choose what that is. <laughs> we should choose what that perception is. And remember that the reason that Children are open to everything, that everything seems new and exciting to them, is because they don't have a choice. Because everything is new to them. And the thing that is difficult about being older is that we do have a choice. And that's a difficult responsibility to have a choice. There are things that we have seen that are similar to experiences that we're having now. And it is easy for us to rely on those previous experiences to assume that when somebody's tone of voice is this way, that it is like the, when this other person's tone of voice was that way and that's what they meant. So that's probably what this person means. Um, or when I tried to paint before and this happened, it didn't come out the way I wanted. So therefore I'm kind of feeling that way now. So I should probably just stop because this is not going to work out. So we use these experiences to bracket ourselves or to limit ourselves even. Whereas uh, children, they don't have those things to fall back to. So the only choice that they have is to move forward. Um, children are in some ways brave, but in some ways they are not because they don't have an option but to do what they are doing. And that's not bravery. Bravery is having a road, um, a road diverged and choosing a path and, and having the courage to take that choice. So 
did we just did we just head into Robert Frost a little? Sorry, <laughs> a little bit, uh, a little bit. Um, I was wondering if you did. I was wondering if you did that on purpose or not. <laughs> it's just uh, every time I talk about roads being split, the word diverge comes up, and that is because of Robert Frost. <laughs> you can't avoid uh, it. It's kind of like course, talking about an apple and, and not uh, in some way thinking of Adam and Eve's the story of Adam and Eve. You're just sure, kind of stuck with it. But when it comes down to it, the, the problems that we feel as we get older, you know, like Lamb was saying about that, the difficulty of feeling that you're um, too old or that it's too late or all these things. The reason we feel that way is because the, the amount of choices that are available to us have increased. Because with our experience and with our time on this planet, we have learned and seen so many different things that all these choices are out there. You know, wh- sure. why is, why is uh, In-N-Out Burger successful? Because you have like three choices. That's one of the things they attribute to their success is the simplicity of the menu because we're overwhelmed with choices. And we do live in a world where everything around us is a choice. Actually, think about this for a second. Think about uh, this hit me yesterday, and um, I wanted to share this with somebody. So I guess, you know, you guys are probably the perfect people to share this with. Might as well. Look, <laughs> look around the room. Think of all the things that are vying for your attention right this second. First of all, Lamb and I. Um, you could even separate that. I'm vying for your attention. Lamb's vying for your attention. Two things. Uh, maybe you're getting a notification on your phone. Maybe just the knowledge that your phone's in front of you with an app that you want to dip into, you know, like Instagram. Maybe that's fine for your attention. Maybe there's a car passing by you and you, you know, part of your animal brain has to acknowledge that car's there so that you know that it doesn't run you over. Uh, maybe there's somebody uh, walking next to you that needs to get by. Maybe you have to move your chair for somebody right now. But then also try this. Look everywhere around you, right where you are. How many logos and advertisements can you see where you're sitting right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I were to do it right now, it's going to be, I'm going to ignore all of the books that are in my room because otherwise we'll be here counting forever. I can see the Apple logo on my iPad. I can see the limousine sticker on my computer. I can see the JBL logo on my uh, little portable speaker. I see the Apple logo on the mouse. I see the Scotch brand on my tape dispenser. I see this logo on my coffee mug. I see the Xbox logo on the Xbox controller on my desk. That's without even turning my head. That's just looking down at my desk. Every one of those things is vying for your attention. That's what logos are made for, right? They're there to remind you of things. And every one of those things vying for your attention is a choice. It is a choice that you have to make on a subconscious level. Do I need to know something about JBL right now? Nope. I had to make that choice, though, didn't I? sounds silly, but it's true. These are all things that your brain's doing. So you have all of these choices around you. So when somebody asks you to make another choice, when somebody asks you to make a piece of art like we did at the beginning of this episode, when somebody asks you to make a choice about whether to have a conversation with somebody or not, when somebody encroaches upon your already overfilled space with another choice, it feels like an imposition. It feels impossible. 
So, by acknowledging the presence of all those other choices, you can start to, in some way, weigh them. And what I mean by that is they're not going to go away necessarily. I mean, you could do something which would be awesome, would be try to get as many logos out of your creative space at least as you possibly can. You know, have a minimalist creative space where there's not all of these choices being um, vaulted at you all the time. You can put your phone into airplane mode when you're doing something you need to pay attention to. And you can start to limit those things. But what you can do when I say you can start weighing these things is by acknowledging that all these things are around you. And these are minimal, minimal little choices. But when there's thousands of them, they start to weigh a lot. So you can look at it and you go, I have the choice to try sculpture for the first time, something that I've always been fascinated about. Or the fir- I, I have the choice of whether to take a ballet class because I've always wondered if I could be a ballerina. Hmm. And then I have all these choices over here. I have the choice of, oh, do I need ink cartridges for my Epson printer? Do I need all these other choices? And just by seeing those, you can understand that this one over here, the choice to do something that you always wanted to do is so much bigger than these all these little ones. And maybe, and this is just me spitballing but maybe by seeing the difference in the weight of those choices you can at least prioritize your brain to make the big choice the important choice first and then let whatever energy is left in your brain deal with all the little logo choices and all the phone choices and all those other things if you can learn to eat the big pieces of the meat first then you can worry about all the scraps later that's such a tough. That's such a tough idea to get across to people, though. I mean, because it's 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 almost it, all the things you're describing in the world that 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 is you know just advertisement laden. It's so ubiquitous that it's just impossible to avoid. So I mean, what 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 do you suggest for for people to to? I mean, sure, you can make choices in your own brain, but I mean, how do you make that choice every single day with every single thing you're looking at? I, that's why I'm saying it's not about um, being able to get rid of it because I don't know that you can unless you are willing to move to an island in Mali or something like that. Um, mm, it's okay. about weighing them. It's about learning to prioritize. It's about l- learning to deal with the important things first. You know, I've, I think I've mentioned this before. Maybe it was just an article I wrote. When you're, when you're doing your task list, we'll talk about this in, in terms of productivity just to take it into something more concrete than abstract of, of creativity. When you're looking at your to-do list. You have put out the garbage. You have changed, you know, changed the filter on the heater. And then you have fixed the hole in the roof because it's going to rain this week. Now, from a logical standpoint, you know that you should probably fix the hole in the roof first because it's bigger and it's more important. And then you can do those other things, right? It's going to take a lot of mental and physical energy to fix that hole in the roof because you've got to climb up on the roof and you've got to get the right tar paper and you've got to get the right patch and you've got to make sure that it's sealed so that it doesn't continue to leak. So you're going to use up a lot of energy doing that. But taking out the garbage doesn't really require a lot of energy, does it? Especially not a lot of mental energy. 
uh, changing the filter on the heater, that's probably a medium, right? You know, maybe there's a little bit of technical, a slight bit of technical prowess to understand how to make that happen. It's not just as simple as picking up a bag and dropping it into another place. So by looking at that list, you can go, I need the most energy that I have to do this task. And do that task first when your tank is full. And then when you get on to the next one, you, you got the medium one, so you're going to use the one that that requires a little bit less energy, but more energy than the other one, because your tank is a little bit left em empty. So that even if you come up empty, you can probably muster enough energy to still take out that garbage, can't you? Because yeah. it doesn't require sure. much. You can force yourself to do that, and even if you don't end up taking out the garbage, maybe you can live with the consequences of that more easily too, because it's so minor. But if you did things opposite, if you took out the garbage first, you might find that when you get to number three and it's time to go fix the hole in the roof, you do what we all do and go, oh, I'm too tired. I don't have the time for this. And that's because we're, mm -hmm. we're, we do things in the wrong order. And it's the same with, those, with weighing those, those choices that we have, right? Take care of the important stuff. And I don't mean the important stuff that the world tells you is important. I mean you be an adult and be real with yourself. What is important to you? Do that first. Everything else will fall into place because the thing that requires the most energy is the thing that is the most important to you. And the things that you have to do, you can do without energy because they probably don't matter to you. They're just things you have sure. to do. And, and it's the I same with those choices. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I think this is where a lot of it, uh, there's been a trend recently of people talking about the idea of, of sleeping in a bedroom without a phone in it, um, taking uh, or doing what I said, you know, creating a minimalist um, creative space. The reason that you that you want to shape your environments like this is because it removes those small choices from being part of the equation for as long as you can. You know, looking at your phone first thing in the morning, which I am guilty, guilty, guilty of, it bombards you with the small choices first. And and you have to deal with them. Do I delete this email? Do I archive it? Do I send it to junk mail? Do I reply to it? That's four choices on one email. You've just used up a whole bunch of decision-making power in the first four seconds that you've been awake. Think about that. What if the first thing you did is woke up in the morning and said, what would inspire me today? What can I do to change the world today? What can I do to change my life today? What can I do to make today awesome? Whatever it is, what, what can I do to make my children's life amazing today? What if that's the first question you ask yourself? Wow, I think that's strange. I, that's, that's an interesting, because I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing. The first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I look at my phone. That's bad. Oh, we all are. We totally all are. Every person listening to this is. God knows some of, uh, unfortunately, some people probably picked up their phone and saw that this episode was available. And, and we were the imposition. We were the first choice they had to make that day was, do I listen to that now or later? <laughs> and by the way. Just a little sidebar for a second. There's a lot of you listening. I know you're not subscribed, but you keep coming back. Just hit the subscribe button. I just want to remind you. I've, I was reading this thing the other day, and they said that people don't remember that you can subscribe to things. So 
reminded yeah. you, hit subscribe. Get rid of that choice. Then it's already there. You don't have to sure. decide whether to find it or not. But going back to the point, I would like to hear your, your input on some of this, Lam. Oh, man. Um... I mean, you said you have the same problem, but, you, I mean, can you see the possibilities of that weighing thing that I was talking about going back to even before? Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about this long ago on the podcast, and we, we talk about this, this all the time as, as in, you know, offline too as well, um, about just the, the, the how suffocating having too many choices is. Um, you know, how you, I mean, your example of just describing what you see in an email when you wake up in the morning. I mean, your brain is foggy and you're, you've barely kick-started your, 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 your physiology and you're already making decisions about, about an email five seconds into waking up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, no, I've, I've always been a big proponent of that. Like, I, I do definitely think that we have too many choices and too many things vying for attention in our lives. You know, you go back to the... It's it's fascinating, fascinating to me because I, I've never done that before. Um, you know, just sat in my room and looked around and, and, and looked at how many logos I'm staring at on a constant basis. You know, so that's an interesting experiment. I actually think that that's a fantastic thing to for for all of our listeners to to do is just pick any environment you go into, just randomly do it throughout the day. You know, sit in, sit in a Starbucks and stare around or look around and and don't just notice the the packages on the the food or the coffee or anything like that but look at all the logos on the stuff that you personally have in your possession and 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 all the logos you see on other people you know whether it's clothing or laptops or phones or whatever it may be i mean you're just inundated with it all the time and every single one of those things is attention and choice attention and choice attention and choice attention and choice and all of those things are our mental energy that has a cumulative effect on who you are as a person you know like even even in the description of what you're talking about with, with the email, I keep going back to that because I do it all the time. Um, you know, the first thing I do is I wake up in the morning and I, I check my work emails. And what a, what a terrible thing to do in the morning. You know, what I probably couldn't pick a worse thing. Um, so that actually, you know, what my thoughts are on it, here's, here's what I'm going to do now. Forget that. It's not going to be the first thing I look at anymore. That's, that seems terrible. So from now on, Chad, this is purely based on what you've said over the last 10 minutes, by the way. Um, I'm going to listen to a song every morning and I'm going to pick the song the night before and I'm not going to do anything else, um, until the song is over <laughs> in the morning. Um, so, so thank you for that. Like I, I, you know, I, we all, regardless of how smart we all think we are as, as these little, these, 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 these overdeveloped apes, I, you know, we, we get a lot of stuff wrong and we're still evolving as, as, as creatures as well. So I need to make sure that I start the day better by, not giving myself too many choices um, and not giving myself too many options. Um, and I feel like that's that's applicable to a lot of other things, but at the very least, I want to start there and see how differently that, that starts my day. And for those of you out there that are thinking right now, that's nice. You guys can do that. I don't. I can't do that in my life. I have to look at emails. I get up at 6 every morning, and I have to look at emails at 6 because I need to be running. Well, try this, something that we don't realize. Plan for the space to not do it. So you yeah. have to be running at 6. How about you go to bed 15 minutes earlier and you wake up at 545 and you give yourself 15 minutes before it's 6 when you got to look at those emails. That's all you have to do. 15 and, minutes. And by the way, for, for, for all those people who think they have to look at emails, um, I, I used to think that too, man. I mean, people used to tell me the same thing. Like, I, I had a job in my previous, my previous, in in my previous employment where 
um, I was dealing with with three different time zones, um, Vietnam, Helsinki, and the United States. And I used to think, that, you know, I part of the reason I quit that job was because I, I had tricked myself into thinking that every email and every phone call was urgent, regardless of what time of day it came in from whatever part of the world it came in. So I would interrupt so many things in my life to make sure that those things were taken care of. And what a stupid choice that was. You know, so in my, my current job, for example, I, I had a little bit of that in the beginning, but progressively I've been experimenting with, with brain training myself and training other people to understand that there are certain times where I, I am receptive to communication. And, you know, it's not just about waking up 15 minutes earlier. It's not just about giving yourself enough time. It's about training yourself to 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 change, just change your brain. I mean, it's you, believe me, um, I felt the same way for a very long time. But unless you're a firefighter or a surgeon, um, your email is really not that important. Um, not to the point where you need to answer it within seconds of receiving it. And as long as you train people properly and communicate with them properly to say, okay, I check my email, email three times a day, guys. I check it at 9 a.m. I check it at um, 11, or 1 p.m. and I check it at 4 p.m. And if you want to reach me outside of that, then call me. Um, but if you want your email to be responded to, it's going to be responded to within those periods of time, those those windows of time. And I've trained myself, which was really hard. By the way, that was much more difficult than training other people. But I trained myself to not look at emails during any other time of day than those specific times. And um, I trained other people to do the same. The other, other people actually picked it up much quicker than I did. Um, for myself, it took about a month for me to, 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 to just forcibly not look at my phone um, or check my emails during those periods of time or outside of those periods of time and respond to people um, outside of those periods of time. You'd be surprised at how quickly um, people react well to that. Um, it's more yourself um, than anything else that stops you from doing it. I've been running my own business for almost three years now. And for two and a half of those years, I've only checked my email twice a day. I check it yeah. in the morning and I check it in, in the early evening. And it has not destroyed my business. <laughs> it has not. There is rarely a case where anything is immediate. And, and a part of that that I learned, one of the big lessons I learned not, going, um, not knowing this going in was it changed the way I communicated with people. And in it. it in the way of what I said changed, not in the way that they communicated to me changed. Um, uh, it did, as Lamb said, you know, they get used to it. They can work themselves into that. Okay, he replies in about this amount of time. They, they take to that pretty easily, easily, more easily than you think. But mm -hmm. the way that I communicated to people, the way that I asked things to people changed because I was no longer looking for an immediate response. So I was almost, I was extending a latitude to people that no one else probably was extending them, which was to be able to respond at a fairly leisurely pace. You know, I sent you an email. Well, that means I, I expect you'll probably reply in the next few days. Wow. Usually we're used to, I hope he replies in the next few minutes. If not in the next two hours, I'm going to email him again. Now, mm -hmm. Think of how that changes the dynamic between you and, pe and other people. I mean, uh, you and I see a great example of that right now. We've been using that Twist app for communication on this podcast, and 
the twist app is I'll just drop something in there and, you know, Lamb might not reply to it for like three days. I'm not stressing because it's mm-hmm. still going to be there. He's still going to see it and we're still going to be able to talk about it. And if I need something really, really, really urgent, I'll just call him on the phone. And I, yeah. I other other than for this show, I probably called you on the phone twice ever. <laughs> people, people that know me, I don't, I don't usually talk on the phone. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on really quickly before I forget, well, going back to logos, something very astonishing to me. Um, for those, well, actually, it'll be all of you don't know this. I bought the Apple AirPods, which, by the way, I love. They, they're fantastic. But here's why I brought it up. This is the first device that I've ever bought that has no logo on it at all. There is no logo. I don't know why people haven't mentioned this before. Maybe they haven't. I just haven't seen it. I don't tend to read things on the Internet very much. There's two headphones, and then there's a little case that looks like a dental floss thing. Both of the headphones, no logo. The little dental floss thing, no logo. There's a huge blank space on the front of this where they could have just, you know, engraved in the Apple logo right there. It's blank. On the back, in tiny little letters, it says designed by Apple. No logo, though. And then inside, you know, it has the the little FCC things and the regulations, stuff like that. Still, no logo. Kind of cool. Wow, one, that's fascinating. One less logo Im- impeding upon my life. I don't know if it was an oversight or a purposeful choice, but fascinating, oh, right? I mean, for, for something that big, there's no way that's an oversight. <laughs> totally fascinating. Yeah, but- yeah, that's that's good. Uh, that's pretty that's pretty amazing actually. They use the product itself to brand the product, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that, that that's that's kind of the thing where it's like, oh, you you know, people have made fun of the way these things look. Oh, the the guy with the Q-tips hanging out of his ears. I know that's Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, you do. Well, yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it, it doesn't need job, a job. <laughs> I look. Yeah. I look forward to. I look forward to that. If that's a inevitable future, I look forward to that future where products are recognized for what they what they are, and they don't need giant logos. That would be sure. great. Um, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it might why do hundred fifty years from that? Why don't we dip into the um, the last part of these episodes? So, what have you been? Reading, listening to, um, watching that has been inspiring you, Lamb. I'm asking you specifically. But, hey, by the way, listeners, you, you know, when Lamb and I ask each other questions, you guys can answer them too. You can reply yeah, totally. to us. We actually we would love for you to actually answer them. Um, I uh, Let's see here. I watched Ghost in the Shell, um, the, the American remake uh, with Scarlett Johansson as the major. Um, and... It just renews my thing that I, I always think, which is, which is, uh, sure, the source material was amazing. It was one of the most unique animes in the history of, of anime. But the movie wasn't bad. The movie was actually pretty good, and I found it to hmm. be pretty entertaining. And most of the themes that came from the the original um, the original anime were all there. And I, I I'm 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 annoyed at anyone that doesn't give that movie a chance or any movie like that a chance that that you know, um, has such a cult following or such a devoted following is actually probably the better way to say that, um, to the original source material that they won't give the new one a chance. I think that's, that's tragic. Um, because I actually thought it was pretty good. Um, not only was it entertaining, but the the Scarlett Johansson's, um, 
performance was pretty solid, um, and the 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 not only was her performance solid, but her performance was was subdued in a way that I thought um, an actor wouldn't pull off for the role of the major. I mean, it's one of the defining characteristics about that that character, both in the the manga as well as in the the anime. And I thought it was really well done. Um, so you know, kudos to Scarlett Johansson and that enti- entire production crew for for is Johansson or Johansson? I don't know. Um, but I, <laughs> I'm not you, sure. You know, kudos to them. Yeah, kudos to them for 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 doing something without fear and 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 taking on a project that is incredibly difficult um, and putting in a lot of nods to the original. I mean, there's homage. It's it's rife with homage, like it's everywhere, and I really really liked that um, because they didn't do it in a really obvious way. They just did it in a way where a true fan of the original anime would recognize it, notice it, and appreciate it. And and so kudos to them. Well done. Does it take place in Asia as well as as uh, the cartoon did? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's 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 kind of an unnamed future city. Um, mm. but it's, it's very much an Asian city. <laughs> so the so, question yeah. that, that I'm curious about as an Asian American, does it bother you that, uh, they couldn't bother, be bothered to put an Asian actor in the role of an Asian character? Yeah. I, I mean, in the case of this particular anime, um, it's never, even in the anime, um, people just assume that she's an Asian character just because of the fact that she has black hair, but if you look at the features of the original major, she's not really, she's more ambiguous than she is Asian, and that was purposefully done. Um, you know, in the original anime, she's, and, and in the, the I, I'm trying not to reveal spoilers here, but there's, she's supposed to be a universal um, creature, for lack of a better words. She's an android and with, with human parts and a human brain, um, more so just the human brain, but no, I don't care as long as the performance is really good, um, because the the major is not necessarily supposed to be Asian, and even the original anime character doesn't necessarily look that Asian. And I actually thought Scarlett Johansson's version of it was pretty, pretty. It wasn't that she wasn't Asian, but she just she looked kind of ambiguous, um, and that's that's kind of what the major was. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. There are instances where I do think that, that Asian actors should play Asian parts that are specifically defined for Asians. But in this particular case, no, I don't think so at all. Um, honestly, I thought, uh, there, if I were to cast it and I were to pick a different actress, um, that might be the case, but I thought that Scarlett Johansson did a pretty good job. Um, and no, in this particular case, I don't have any problem with them using a non-Asian actor. Uh, to take that kind of discussion right there and go in a place where I thought that they did an abundant job of um, showcasing diversity. I just watched Rogue One last night. Mm, and uh, Number one, uh, that might be the best Star Wars movie. Sorry for those of you who it's, are poop, it's pooping so yourselves good. right now. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it, I mean, I'm not going to say it's one of the best movies I've ever seen, um, it, it, there's things I would have changed. Like, really, did we need to mention hope like 15 times as a sure. pun to the title, a new hope. Um, but what I really enjoyed was all of the cast was just, it's fantastic. So you had a woman who's pretty much the lead. You had Cassian. I mean, is he French? Like, it's hard to tell. He's, he has mm-hmm. a, a, some accent. Everybody has some kind of accent of some sort. Um, usually some kind of strange British accent that we should be used to from the original Star Wars. 
But mm-hmm. then you had um, Riz Ahmed, who if uh, he he plays um, Bodhi Rook, which is the Imperial mm-hmm. pilot. And if any of you watched the HBO, um, I guess you would call it a miniseries, limited run, uh, The Night Of. He was the star of The Night Of. It was fantastic to see him again. Um, I'm not sure what his nationality is, but he's um, more possibly Middle Eastern or somewhere in that realm. So you have diversity there. You have two Asian characters. You have uh, – who else do you have in there? you remember? Uh, Saul Guerrero, which was uh, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, so African American. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I just and I thought and I th- I definitely think that there was a purposeful choice to showcase diversity in the casting of that film because it's very obvious. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it w- it actually it enhanced the film in in a way that maybe wasn't even planned because we're looking at uh, you know it's long ago, far away, but essentially we're looking at for us what looks like the future and oh, it was the most culturally it was the most culturally diverse cast in the history of star wars in my opinion and it makes sense that's what i mean for us like i said even though it is long ago far away people get this confused star wars is not the future but it looks like what a future could look like for us because technology and society are um, advanced beyond where we are now that's what a future could look like for us you know that that level of uh, that, that there would be that cultural diversity where there is no no longer nationality because it's planets and stuff like that. So to see that showcase, I think it enhanced the, the film as far as uh, it added to the the meaning of the film to me. Well, plus the another thing I really dug about Rogue One too was that none of the characters were throwaway characters. Um, you know, you cared about all of them. Like, a, you know, I think about right. Donnie Yen's character, for example, and you know, they all had great lines. They all had strong character development. Um, you know, I, I, the two the two Asian characters. I kind of forget their names off the top of my head, but their relationship is really clear. You know, their their relationship is very meaningful. There seems to be depth in that relationship and a history in that relationship that's really obvious in how they protect each other. Um, and I thought there were a lot of little things like that that made all of the characters really matter to me. And considering what the nature of the story is, it made it so much more. Tr- uh, sorry, sorry, everybody. Spoilers. Um, but there was there was a very strong sense of, of 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 just connection you have with all of the characters and and how 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 smartly those those relationships were crafted. I thought that was really really well done. Yeah, I just I I think that the story was well written. The dialogue for once was really well written. Um, yeah. and the casting was just. I mean, I would put the casting above everything else. Just the acting was so good. And believable mm-hmm. and real. Even um, Alan Tyduk as K2SO. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> he's, he's fantastic. And for those of you who love the old Star Wars, you might be fascinated to learn that there are two characters. Well, technically four. There are four characters from the old movies that pop up briefly in, in the film, um, two of which are other actors and they used makeup and and CGI to make them look like the young versions of the original actors and my god if you can tell the difference good for you because I can't can, especially amazing. especially um, Grand Moff Tarkin although in this I think he's Governor Tarkin um, mm-hmm. 
because he doesn't have a small part. He has a fairly large part. So the actor is on screen acting for a considerable amount of time looking like Peter Cushing, which is yeah, extraordinary. Shocking. <laughs> it's shocking. It is Absolutely extraordinary. Shocking. There is yeah. no such thing as death in Hollywood anymore. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so I would I would suggest if you if you haven't seen it, um, watching it, and if you even if you don't like Star Wars, this might be the one that you will like because this is just and a be, well well made film. And not only that, but it, the I, the way the movie sets up, you really don't have to know anything about Star Wars to appreciate the story too. I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. There are nods to there are nods to the original series and all the original characters and stuff like that. But you really don't have to know anything about Star Wars to like it. It's just a good movie. Yep. Actually, I was wrong. There's six characters from the original movies that show up. Two very huh. very small oh. cameos. The two guys that, think of from one. the cantina. Yeah. The two guys uh-huh. from the cantina, the ugly man and the walrus looking dude that start a yep. fight with yep. Luke. Yep. They show yep. up yep. briefly. I don't like you either. Yep. Totally. <laughs> So good. Yeah. Um, I was I was surprised. So that's awesome. We never we never really say this to people um, on the episode, but go watch those things, please. <laughs> go see Ghost in the Shell and go see um, the you know uh, Rogue One um, before the next episode. We because we we share things that inspire us because we want them to inspire you as well. So we're not just talking for the sake of talking about these things. We really want you guys to go and find them. And, and while you're at it, I mentioned two, three episodes ago that I was reading Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Read that book and then go watch the two thir- 2013 BBC adaptation. I texted this to Lamb the other day. It is an amazing interpretation. Um, I, the reason I say to read the book and then watch it is because, uh, number one, you're, you're never going to get as much out of the film as you're going to get out of the book. But they do a really good job in this interpretation of not trying to do everything in the book and making the movie feel rushed or or uh, off balance, but uh, at hinting at things so that if you've read the book, you go, oh, that's where that happened. And you can just kind of fill in the blanks for yourself. And, and focusing, they did a really good job of focusing on relationships. And for anybody who knows anything about Great Expectations, the story, um, there's a... A lot of the focus of the films, including the Ethan Hawke modernist adaptation with um, Gwyneth Paltrow, which is not terrible, but it's not great. Uh, They focus a lot on the relationship between Pip, who pathetically is renamed in that interpretation, um, Pip and Joe. They They focus a lot on that relationship. But what's not focused on a lot is the relationship between Pip and Magwitch. In this interpretation, you see a lot more of that dynamic. And in the actual book, there's probably equal time spent on both of those relationships. So it was nice to see that. And what, what's the, the casting in this interpretation is great. You have Helena Bonham Carter, you have Rafe Fiennes, and you have Robbie Coltrane. For those of you who may not recognize his name, he is, um, what's his name in Harry Potter, Lamb? Uh, uh, I'm blanking. The guy that takes uh, care of all the animals. Uh, ha- Harry Potter. Ha- Hagrid. H- Hagrid. Hagrid. Jeez. Hagrid. Harry Potter fans were screaming that right now. <laughs> Hagrid. <laughs> My Harry Potter hat is not on right now. Yeah, our, our, our friend Brittany would be just so mad at us for not knowing that off the top of our heads. <laughs> 
but great interpretation, beautiful music. Um, the casting, t- to me, also another fantastic job of casting. Um, the director, actually, here's a Harry Potter connection besides Helena Bottom Carter and Robbie Coltrane. The Another connection is it's directed by Mike Newell. Mike Newell directed um, my favorite Harry Potter film, The Hoblet. Uh, the Hoblet. Well, there's yeah. that H again. The Goblet of Fire. <laughs> and he also sure. directed... Uh, Donnie Brasco and Four Weddings and a Funeral. Mm-hmm. So, great, great director. Um, another thing I want to tell you guys about, that I found this new app. Um, Lamb and I are both on there. It is called Symbol. It's, uh, it's kind of like Instagram for songs. So you, you listen to music, you share it on there. It's kind of cool. We're playing around with it. Don't know if it's going to last. Don't know if we'll continue to stay interested in it. But if you want to go check out Symbol, you can find both of us on there. I am the real Chad Hall, and you're the vacant room on there. Yep. All one word. That's yep. the vacant with a V, in case I sounded like I said vacant. Um, so go check the out Symbol. Vacant room. <laughs> Although I do like the idea of being the, the, the vacant room, though. That's pretty awesome. I want to go to the vacant room. Yeah, so would I. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um Anything else you want to throw out? Uh, no, but I want to end this episode a little different. You always put me on the spot and smack me in the face with it, so I want I want you to give us the words of wisdom for this one. Um, stop being a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Stop stop being a jerk to yourself, people. Stop treating yourself like garbage. You do it every day. You give yourself um, expectations that are unrealistic, and then you slap yourself in the face when you don't accomplish them. Um, and then that bleeds into other areas of your life. Learn to deal with the important things first, and then that will build up that feeling of, of self-respect. You're going to feel good about yourself when you're, when you're doing important things that are important to you and start living big and living brave. You know, Lamb talked a while about bravery. And bravery is not the absence of fear. Bravery is action in the face of fear, in the face of overwhelming odds, in the face of impossibility and adversity. Bravery is one step. Bravery is movement and momentum. Bravery is creativity. And creativity, as we say, is inherently generous. So bravery is generosity. So by being brave, you make the world a better place. And the world's not going to change waiting for other people to do it. It begins with you. It begins with your life. It begins with your children. It begins with your relationships. It begins with your friends and your relation to them. And when you learn to express yourself, when you learn to open yourself to be vulnerable, to be generous... And to be brave, that's going to spread to your relationships. And you're going to be giving a gift to them. And they're going to give that to someone. And that is how we change the world, people. It is not through politics. It's through personal choices and personal lives. It is through who you are. You are far, far, far more powerful 
than you ever give yourself credit. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you, the people, have the power, the power to create machines, the power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Oh!